2, verse 1. We will read the first four verses, then we will pray and dig in. We must, therefore, pay even more attention to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was first spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of the gift from the Holy Spirit according to his will. Let's pray. Father God, your word is good today, and I pray that we would hear the goodness of your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today, that our ears would hear, that our hearts would hear, dear Lord, that our life would be changed by your word. God, your word is so good, it's there to strengthen us and encourage us and to correct us and to guide us. And dear Lord, maybe each one of us need different things today, but you know where we are, you know what we need to hear, and God, your word is so good. And it is living, dear Lord, and it can meet us where we are today. So I pray that in your word today we hear what we have just read. And God, you do a work in our life. I pray that you hide me behind the cross, that you help me to preach and teach in a way that brings glory to you. Take away any nerves or any pride that I have, God, that it would all be for your glory today that you would work in our lives and in this church. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Therefore, we see that word sometimes in Scripture, and we will see it a lot as we go through the book of Hebrews. He's constantly the author of Hebrews, building on a previous point. He's adding on, and he's always building on one point to the next point, and in every occasion, he's saying the same thing. Jesus is better. And in the first chapter, we looked at in great detail the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and he is better than all things. Now, here in these first two chapters, the real focus is that Jesus is better than the angels. Now, we talked about some reasons why he may be focusing on this that we see in the New Testament. Perhaps some were claiming to have messages from angels that were contradictory to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps some had begun to worship angels. Whatever the reason, the author of Hebrews here spends a lot of time focusing on angels. One of those reasons we will see here in just a minute. But he has spent a lot of time in the first chapter, A, focusing on Jesus and who he is, and B, saying that Jesus is better and he is better than the angels. And he gives Old Testament passage after Old Testament passage after Old Testament passage to say, hey, here's the way in which God spoke of angels, but here is the way in which God has spoken of the Son, and Jesus as the Son is better. And so with that in mind, as we begin Hebrews chapter 2, he says, we must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard. 
If what we have heard through Jesus is better than anything we have heard that has come before Jesus, and we paid attention to what came before Jesus, then how much more so should we pay attention to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the gospel that he came to preach, and the gospel that he brought when he gave his life on the cross and was resurrected? If the message that came through God in the Old Testament was great, how much greater is the message that comes through the Son of God? Therefore, he says, we must pay even more attention to Jesus Christ and who he is. And why does he say that is? So that we will not drift away. It's a warning here. This is a warning. Why is he warning the people? Why perhaps maybe this a warning for us today? Because the audience he is writing to is being tempted to turn from Jesus. The early church faced much persecution. Jesus faced much persecution. He was ultimately nailed to a cross. And as we look in the New Testament, we see that it was tough to live for Jesus because at this time, uh, the Jewish people were still wanting to continue to live by their Jewish system and the laws and the sacrifices and the old ways that they had lived by for thousands of years. And this audience appears to be a Jewish audience, and, and, and this would have been their life living by the Old Testament law and Moses and, and the sacrifices and the priesthood. And, and then they put their faith in Jesus Christ and appear to be living for Jesus Christ, but living for Jesus Christ proves to be difficult, and even still today. Now, we are, we are fortunate, we are blessed that we live in Amid County, Mississippi, for a lot of reasons. But one of which is, we can sit here on these pews this morning, and I would venture to say that none of us woke up this morning and had any, any concern about coming to church today. Nobody said, man, are, are we going to be safe in there today? Nobody thought that for a second. You might have thought, man, I hope the preacher gets through before 12, 15. But you did not for a second wonder about if your life was going to be in danger. But that is not the case all over the world. There are still many places in the world today that Christians are being persecuted, and perhaps even around here to some level, but we still see great persecution in many areas of the world. And so we may see passages like this or hear stories about people, you know, being tempted to, to deny Jesus, and we say, well, I would never do that, but hold up. we got to make sure that we are ready should we ever be in that position because we can say what we would do, but then when the rubber meets the road, things get difficult. So we want to be those who continue to grow in the Word of God so when those days come, or if those days come for us, that we will be able to stand for Jesus Christ and not be tempted to turn to something else, to not just get tired of Jesus, or to not say, oh, well, there's a better religion being preached than Jesus, that we would stand firm on what we have seen and heard in God's Word in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the audience that he's writing to here. They're being tempted to turn back to the old way. They had done the old way for thousands of years. It was ingrained in them. They had followed Jesus, but now the going gets tough. And so it's easy to revert back into kind of our comfort zone, into what we know. And that's the same for you and I. Now, it's likely that none of us here today are tempted to go back to the Jewish law and to begin to offer sacrifices and, and reestablish the priesthood. That's not a temptation for us. But no doubt, before we come to Christ, there are sins, there are ways that we live, there are lifestyles that we have 
that felt good to us, and we say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then we discover sometimes following Jesus is tough because those temptations are strong. And, and sometimes life gets hard, and it's easy for us to fall back into our old ways that are so comfortable to us. And so we need to be careful that we realize that Jesus is better than whatever we have come from. Whatever you have come from, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ today, you need to be reminded perhaps that Jesus is better than where you were. Where you are in Christ is better than where you were in the world, where you were in the devil. And sometimes, sometimes life gets tough. Sometimes sin gets tempting. And sometimes we may begin to drift away from Jesus Christ. Perhaps for some of you today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Perhaps today you're still living in the sin. You're still living in the world. I want to tell you that something is better. I want you to discover that something is better in Jesus Christ. And for those who have discovered it, we need not forget that Jesus is better than anything the world will offer us. So therefore, he says, if you have heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ and trusted in that, then do not turn away from that. Do not drift away from that into trusting in anything else. In their case, angels. In our case, you know what it is. You know what your temptation is. The Holy Spirit will convict you. God's Word will show you those things. And those are the things that we need God to help us with so that we stand firm on Jesus. Verse 2. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Okay, so he talks here about the message spoken by angels as being legally binding. Now, what he's talking about here is he's talking about the law. The law came through Moses, God revealed the law, the Ten Commandments, and a whole slew of other laws. And it may not be clear to us when we see the giving of the law that angels were present. However, it is made clear to us in Acts chapter 7, which is one of my favorite chapters. I say that often. I quote it often because it's such a good chapter. It's a sermon by a man named Stephen, and I would encourage you to read it. And the sermon that Stephen preaches in some ways maybe is just a condensed version of the book of Hebrews. But really the whole, old, I mean, New Testament is kind of that same thing. So many times we see the New Testament and some books or some chapters very specifically pointing out these things that we see in the Old Testament. What was important to the Jewish people and still is to Jewish people today is, is Abraham. Abraham and Moses and the law and the prophets. And this was so important to the Jewish people, so important to them, that many of them nailed Jesus to the cross because they failed to recognize that those things foreshadowed Jesus who had come. And they did away with Jesus, and they're still trying to live in those old ways. And so when we see here that the law is spoken of and, and that the author of Hebrews is addressing that, He's just going through this list of some of these things, Abraham, Moses, the law, and the old way, and the, and, the, and the priesthood, and all of these different things. And that's what Stephen does in Acts chapter 7. He starts at the beginning, and he works his way down, Abraham, and Moses, and all these, and he gets down, and he says, and ultimately it points to Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Hebrews is doing. 
And so he says here uh, that he talks about the angels, uh, the message that was spoken through them, that is the law. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 38, and in 52 and 53, Stephen talks about angels being present at the giving of the law. And that may be why the focus here we see in the first two chapters is so great on angels, is that people were putting too much emphasis on angels because they put too much emphasis on the law. And the law came through angels, Acts chapter 7 tells us. And so he says here, for if the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment. Okay, he says, you want to you think about the law? You know about the law? You want to live by the law? Well, what did the law say? The law was very clear that God gave commands. He gave instructions. And if you were disobedient to those commands, here was the just punishment for that. So if you want to live by the law and you recognize that the law came with punishment then how much greater if the message spoken by angels who are not the Son of God brought forth a law that came with punishment, how much greater is the punishment that will come if you reject the very message that comes through the Son of God? If you reject such a great a salvation, how bad will that be? If the message spoken through angels came with consequences that were pretty bad, how much greater will the consequences be if you reject the better message, if you reject the better salvation that has come through Jesus Christ? So he says, therefore, don't go back to those old ways. Don't go back to what is inferior when you have seen the great salvation through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that is superior. And he continues on in the middle of verse 3. It was first spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his word. And so if the first message was spoken by angels, who has spoken this message? It is Jesus Christ himself. Mark chapter 1 verse 14. And Jesus came and he began to preach the gospel and repent because the kingdom of God has come near. The very Son of God himself has come bringing about a better message. In the old days, you may remember Hebrews chapter 1. In the beginning, in the old days, in the old ways, in the Old Testament, God spoke to, through the prophets in, in a variety of different ways. But in these last days, the author of Hebrews says, He has spoken to us by His Son. Jesus is better than the angels, and Jesus has brought about a better message than that of the angels. And Jesus himself spoke that message, and it was carried on by those who followed Jesus and put their faith in Jesus, and it was accompanied by signs and miracles and all these things. We see it in the Old Testament. God does some miraculous things in the Old Testament, and here we see it in the New Testament with the message that comes through Jesus. We see these miracles of healings and all of these things that Jesus has done. And so he tells his audience, if you're tempted to go back to the old way, what is so, so good about the old way? He says nothing is so good about the old way because the old way has passed away and the better way has come in Jesus Christ. And so he says... Therefore, pay attention. 
Pay attention. Maybe we need to hear those words today. Pay attention to the Word of God. Pay attention to what you've heard. Pay attention to how God has worked in your life so that you don't turn away from that, so that you don't find yourself drifting away from who Jesus is. Because when we drift away from Jesus, we find ourselves in trouble. For those of you who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, do you remember what it was like before you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you can come up with many of examples of how life was, was rough and there wasn't much peace and there wasn't much hope. But for anyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have realized that there, there is great peace and there is great hope. When we, are, when we are living in sin apart from Jesus Christ, we are like a ship drifting at sea without a sail. There is no hope on the horizon. We are hungering. We are thirsting. We don't know if we will survive. The storms of life come and we are tossed and turned and we wonder, how will I make it another day? That's what life is like apart from Jesus Christ. I was reading a story this week. It was a phenomenal story. It was about a guy by the name of Jose Salvador Alvarenga. And uh, on November the 17th, 2012, he started his day like any other day. He was a fisherman, and he did deep-sea fishing 50 to 100 miles off the coast of El Salvador. Now, El Salvador is down South America, kind of down toward the, the bottom of the tip there. It's, it's, it's pretty good ways away from us. And he would go out on these boats, you know, no fancy big boats, just basic motor and basic fishing equipment. And, and on this day, he and one of his friends were going out on a fishing excursion just like any other. And they were about 100 miles off the coast, and a storm blew up. And the storm came, and it destroyed the motor on their boat. It destroyed all of the fishing gear they had. They had no sail. They had nothing. They were in the middle of the ocean. They had been blown off course. And there they were, waiting for help to arrive. And they waited for days and for days and for days until the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months. And it's a pretty miraculous story as they continued to float around in the ocean, drifting where the wind would blow them, trying to survive in every way they can, some really extreme ways. Ultimately, Jose's friend loses his life while they are at sea. And there is Jose floating in a boat, lone, lost, hungry, and thirsty, with no hope on the horizon. And for 437 days, he floated in the sea. For 437 days, he woke up wondering, is today going to be the day that I die? Am I ever going to get out of this? Will I ever eat real food again? Will I ever drink water again? Is there any hope for me? Am I doomed? For 437 days, he was hopeless, tossed and turned by the storms of the sea, barely hanging on, not knowing if he was going to make it. And on the 438th day, there on the horizon, he began to see a little piece of land that entered into his view. Perhaps that is similar to some of our stories today. Perhaps that is what our life 
and our sin and our struggle feels like today. Perhaps some of you feel like today that you are lost and you are sailing like a ship without a sail and you don't know where you are going. The storms of life keep knocking you down and you are barely hanging on and you are hungering and you are thirsting and you don't know if you're going to make it through to the next day. You don't know if there's any hope. But I want to tell you today that if you would look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and the words that we call the Bible, that there is hope on the horizon. I hope today that, that maybe if you come here today and your life is being tossed and tumbled and you don't know where you're going, I hope today that in the Word of God you may have seen that glimmer of hope that is Jesus Christ on the horizon and today maybe your day has come. Today, maybe today is the day that you will experience such a great salvation. Now how silly and foolish would it be for us if we realize our life is torn and tattered and we are barely hanging on, how silly would it be for us to see hope in the distance today in the Word of God and the Son of God and to turn the other way and say, I'm not going to go toward that hope. That would be foolish. And that's not what Jose did. He saw that glimmer of hope. He saw what looked like land in the distance. And he began to do all he could to work that way until he got close enough that he was finally able to get out of the boat and swim to shore. And he landed on the Marshall Islands 7,000 miles to the west of El Salvador where he started almost to Australia. His journey had been difficult, but finally... He had found deliverance. Finally, he had found safety. And I want to tell you today that the safety that God wants to give us and the deliverance that God wants to give us is far better than that that Jose received on the Marshall Islands. The deliverance that God wants to give us today is in Jesus Christ. And for some of you today, for some of you today, you have found him. You have found Jesus Christ. You have found that deliverance. You have found that safety. And today I encourage you, as the author of Hebrews would say, then make Jesus Christ the anchor of your soul. Then you tie down to Jesus Christ. You drop anchors and you say, I have found a place of deliverance and peace and mercy and grace. And I don't want to leave that place and go back out to the open sea of sin where I come from. Today, let us not be those who drift away from Jesus Christ, but that hold firm to Jesus Christ, that he is an anchor for our soul. And for those of you today who are still drifting away aimlessly, I want to tell you that there is hope on the horizon. There is hope in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is better than the angels, and he's better than anything in your life. And I want to tell you today that Jesus died on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to give you peace. Jesus wants to provide for you. He wants to give you security. And that peace and security can only come in Jesus Christ. If your life is drifting today, if you are like a boat without a sail, I want to tell you that the dock of Jesus Christ is open and he wants you to come in and see him today. Let us be those who discover that Jesus is better. Let us be those who know that Jesus is better and trust in him and not be those who drift away from the only salvation that we have. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. Dear Lord, I pray that if there are some in this room today that they did not know Jesus Christ, maybe their life is being twisted and, and turned and they are blown to and fro and they don't know what the future holds, dear Lord, and they don't know how they're going to make it through the future. God, today I pray that they would have heard your word, that they would know who Jesus is today, that they would know that he is the peace and he is the deliverance that they have been looking for. 
That God, we may not know what our future holds, but God, if we know Jesus Christ, we know the one who holds the future. So God, I pray that you just would be with any today that, that may not know Jesus. Maybe they've never put their faith in Jesus. Maybe right now in this moment, God, they're praying in their heart and they've put their faith in Jesus to make him their king. That they would no longer live for themselves, but they would live for him, dear Lord. That they are repenting of their sins. That they are asking forgiveness and that they are seeking you today. God, if there are some that have done that today that are doing that now, God, I just I say amen, dear Lord. Maybe there are some today and they are yours but maybe the temptations of the world and sin maybe just laziness god that we don't seek you and read your word and haven't haven't been really standing on you the way we should god i pray that if there are some here today that have begun to drift god that we would not be those who drift away and if we are drifting god i pray that we would call on you today that you'd bring us right back to where you are that through faith we'd come to you and you'd bring us to us god and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.